This episode is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Binge-worthy learning for IT teams. Why is it binge-worthy? It's learning presented in an engaging and entertaining talk show format that beats voiceover PowerPoint snooze fests. IT Pro TV offers an on-demand course library with more than 3,300 hours of content. Watch on your desktop, on the go, or in the comfort of your own living room. IT Pro TV is IT training you and your team actually want to watch which means a better return on your learning investment. Get started with IT Pro TV for Teams with a special offer for Security Weekly listeners. Visit itpro.tv forward slash Security Weekly to start a seven-day free trial and get 30% off a standard or premium IT Pro TV membership using the code SECWEEKLY30. Endgame automates the hunt for both known and never-before-seen adversaries in enterprise networks. Built on unique knowledge on the adversary's tools, techniques, and tactics, Endgame's centrally managed agent prevents, detects, and responds to advanced adversaries in the earliest stages of the kill chain without prior knowledge. Endgame, automate the hunt. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly. Uh, quick announcement before we get started. Uh, hang on, sorry. I totally flaked on the ridiculous teleprompter that we have. Uh, if you work in IT and want to have access to an awesome library of on-demand training, head on over to itpro.tv forward slash security weekly. They are now accepting demos of the IT solution that allows you and your coworkers to access over 3,300 hours of training at any time. So make sure you go do that. There's a seven-day free trial, 30% off with the code SECWEEKLY30. I want to introduce our special guest for this evening in this segment. Jake Williams, a.k.a. Malware Jake, is here to talk about the recent uh, Intel, CPU, Intel and AMD CPU attacks, dubbed Meltdown and Spectre, which there's been a lot of debate, confusion, FUD, and, and probably more things that I'm missing. But it's one of the most talked about vulnerabilities this year. Not that that's saying much because it's only January 11th, but... Nonetheless, it is the most talked about vulnerability. Uh, Jake, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. It is nice to meet you and nice to have you on the show uh, today. I think we wanted to start first, Jake, and I, I kind of want to turn it over to uh, Keith Hoodlett. Uh, there was a correction that we wanted to run because when we did the show last week, this stuff was just breaking. We were trying to keep up and figure it all out. Uh, so, Keith, if you want to just cover that quick and then maybe turn it over to Jake for further explanation clarification if need be yeah so one of the things that i stated last week was uh the actual like intel versus amd architecture as to who was affected by what uh it actually in this case looks like meltdown affects intel and apple whereas specter affects intel apple arm and amd uh it, interestingly enough as well on twitter i was reading through some people that were former uh intel security or product security folks who they themselves said, look, we've had trouble reading through this as well mm -hmm. and trying to understand it before I actually had a fuller uh, and complete understanding. So I was very wrong on that. And, and thankfully, uh, Daniel Meeser posted up a very nice blog post as to the quick breakdown as to the architectures, the entry points, methods, impact, and actions. Uh, so thankfully, we've referenced that in this week's uh, show notes. But Jake, feel free to jump in and, and add uh, context there. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll say this was uh, definitely incredibly dense, uh, incredibly dense papers uh, that uh, they put together and, and, and honestly pretty hard to, uh, you know, pretty hard to grok. Uh, you know, background wise, I mean, uh, you know, I, I did my Ph.D. Uh, research in, uh, you know, computer architecture and uh, sadly I haven't finished my dissertation. I, I took a leave of absence uh, two years, three years ago now. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
even having that background, reading through those papers was uh, was quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of work. Uh, so, so look, uh, there's there's a ton of FUD going around. I know that's not what you guys are spreading, but uh, look, in the opening hours of this, uh, trying to make sense of that was uh, uh, was was quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of work. And you know, in Meltdown, uh, they mention uh, that AMD may be vulnerable uh, specifically, but uh, they they haven't demonstrated a working exploit on it. Uh, what they mention in the research paper, though, is that uh, you know, with sufficient uh, with sufficiently toy, I guess, programs or or potentially with uh, with better timing, uh, they might be able to uh, might be able to exploit that uh, on AMD and and possibly uh, possibly even ARM. All right, so, so I don't think that was fud by any stretch of the imagination, and it's certainly an easy, uh, an easy, uh, you know, I guess, uh, mistake say to make, especially in the early hours of that. So, Jake, for our audience, uh, let's start with meltdown. Uh, break that down for us, uh, you know, both kind of at high level, and then get into some technical detail as to, uh, I guess, first and foremost, like what does it affect? Why do I care? How does it exploit it? And then a little bit about the vulnerability. Sure. Um, so Meltdown specifically is an information disclosure that allows arbitrary memory reads uh, from an unprivileged process. And, and this, uh, you know, I, I know big words like arbitrary memory reads from an unprivileged process sounds scary, but uh, the reality is uh, it is scary. Uh, this means that any process, any privilege level can read any memory. Uh, and it allows you to dump full physical memory on a Linux or Mac OS Xbox. Uh, it allows you to dump most of physical memory on Windows. Uh, that uh, that most of physical memory there is not a limitation in the vulnerability. It's a limitation in the way that Windows maps uh, maps the page tables uh, on its uh, on its processes. Uh, so basically, what this is is a full information disclosure uh, for the entire operating system. Now, look realistically, uh, right now what we're seeing is that it impacts Intel. Uh, theoretically, it could be exploited on AMD. It could be exploited uh, potentially on uh, on an ARM processor. Uh, but again, there's been no proof of concept code uh, code to do so. Uh, so far, it's been uh, Jake, only wanna, Intel that they've been able to exploit. I want to ask you this: um, what what boundaries does it allow you to cross? Given that, I, let's say, I have you know root or administrator privileges on the box, theoretically, I should be able to dump what's in memory already. Correct? Well, so yes, uh, definitely, you should be able to. But but let's step back for a second. When you say root. Uh, you know that that is unfortunately in today's computing technology become an ambiguous term. Uh, when you say I have root on a box, oftentimes that's root on a container. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're thinking about like a Docker container, uh, you would be able then uh, with shared kernel memory, because of course the Docker containerization or uh, picture like a KVM where you're doing para virtualization, uh, where it's not a fully virtualized environment, uh, you would be able then to read kernel memory outside of your container. Right. So, yeah, to say so you have okay. Root on so something is not always in a root. in a container and or guest operating system in a virtualization or Docker microservices environment, I can read outside of the memory space that I should be allowed to. So it's more of an issue for containers and, and virtualization. I, you know, that's an interesting. I, I, I mean, yes, it's an, it is an issue for containers and virtualization. I'm not sure if I would say more of an issue for that. Mm -hmm. I, I think some of our scariest exploitation scenarios. Uh, look, we've got clients that have. Uh, you know, Linux, uh, Linux mail servers. Uh, we ran into one uh, last year uh, that had, uh, I guess, what, 15, 20,000 employees, um, and every one of them had a shell account on their mail server. Right um, now, you know, this is a spot where this is a configuration error. I, I won't argue that, uh, or, or should be, uh, you know, locked down where they don't have direct shell accounts. Uh, but they said, I oh, don't worry about it. We keep the operating system patched. It's up to date. 
again, you know, if this is uh, in a meltdown scenario, any one of those users can access the machine and privilege escalate to root. Obviously, that's a huge issue in a regulated, or, or actually in any environment, but especially in a regulated environment. Mm-hmm. So, so gotcha. picture anywhere you have multi-user access where different users should have uh, very segmented access. Terminal servers are another great uh, great spot or like an application terminal server that people RDP into. This would be another spot where I'd be worried. So Meltdown doesn't require that I have higher level privileges on the system, correct? Not at all. Not at all. It's, nope. it's any process allows you to go read any memory on the system. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I'll turn over to the panel. Questions on Meltdown? I'll go if nobody else is jumping in. Please do, Jeff. Uh, based on our discussion prior to going on the air, apparently, and I had stepped out to get a drink, apparently uh, your SANS webcast, which was happening, I think, pretty much the same time as our broadcast last week, I was actually listening to your SANS webcast, which is what, Uh, prompted uh, us to get you on our show this week you made a statement and 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 i'm 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 drifting away from the technical i want to get more philosophical but you made a Mm -hmm. statement uh early on that week uh, 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 uh during your webcast about don't worry the sky's not falling potentially yet and and i wanted to pick up on that a little bit just from the perspective of uh, I think at the time, yes, it was breaking. You know, there 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 weren't a lot of proof of concepts or exploits that were out there. It was you know people were still reading the document and still trying to figure it all out. Um, and, and but I shouldn't put words in your mouth. Could you expound on what you meant then and and how you would temper this statement a week later on? Don't worry, the sky's not necessarily falling. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely said that. And, and, and actually, a week later, that's, that's held up pretty well. Um, I, uh, I think the sky is, is not falling. Um, this is a, it, it's a bad vulnerability. I, I don't want to pretend that it's not. Um, and it is going to have to fundamentally change the, the way that we think about a, a lot of stuff, right? Uh, I've got Donald Knuth's old, uh, for those computer science junkies out there, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about, the three-volume uh, reference set on computer architecture. And, and that became... Uh, pieces of that became kindling overnight. Like a, a lot of that became, and a lot of my yep. operating system yep. theory books, right, became, you know, kindling. The way we've always done things is, is going to have to change. Hmm. Um, that said, mm-hmm. your average user is not going to notice this. This is not going to exploit my mom. It's not going to exploit my dad. Uh, you know, it, it's enterprise environments are what I'm worried about. This this is not another eternal blue, for instance, right? Uh, so, right. Uh, you know, I, I guess maybe, uh, you know, with the whole, is the sky falling? Uh, you know, a short uh, piece would be it's it's not a wanna cry level event. It is something that you as as a enterprise organization need to take very seriously and, and think about how you're going to do things going forward. So I got a question kind of on that the sky is falling thing a little bit. Uh, you and I have had conversations in the past about how it seems like vulnerabilities kind of come in waves. It's like, if there's vulnerabilities in Adobe uh, Flash, then all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of vulnerabilities in Adobe Flash because security researchers start jumping on it because it looks like it's very fertile ground, kind of green fields. We had this come up and we had three, I think, different research teams uh, that found it. We also had a lot of people looking at uh, Minix, uh, Ring Minus 3. Mm-hmm. Are we starting to see a lot of research now going into our CPU architectures? Is there now kind of like a dinner bell and researchers are starting to 
flock to this area? Or do you think that these are flukes? Like these types of things are pretty rare at this level. And we shouldn't be that concerned about what level of research scrutiny these uh, levels of architectures and our computers will start getting. Yeah, so um, that that's that's a phenomenal question. I actually, uh, and I can't remember which publication I actually wrote on this, but um, you know, I was talking to uh, talking to some folks and 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 doing a little bit of research on the people who independently found this. Um, it's pretty clear that you can trace their involvement or somebody that they work closely with back to uh, Black Hat Europe in uh, 2016. Hmm. And uh, there was a talk there on the Kaiser patch. Uh, it was a long-lived KSLR kernel ASLR. Uh, and then subtitle KSLR is dead, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a it's a very similar type of uh, I say very similar type of uh, basically that that research inspired uh, this research, and that's why you see so many people finding the same bug. So John, I, I think you're 100 percent right, and, and we've talked about this before, as you mentioned. When people see blood in the water, uh, security researchers uh, are going to go after that thing. Um, this is definitely not, uh, and I'll, I'll bet you the money in my pocket right now. Uh, 10 to 1. This is not the last microarchitecture bug we see probably, and I would say this year, but I have no idea how long the next one's going to be embargoed for, right? So Yeah, that's uh, what I was so just going to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Jake, so even if it even if it hits this year, who knows? But but there are more I, coming. Jake, you said... I do have a follow-up question, Paul, by the way. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. He asks that's for a, permission. It's like so I, cute. I mind, yeah. but I'll let Keith. We're still get a little bit miffed about last week. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I did want to ask, though, Jake, is um, both Chrome and Firefox have come out with mitigations to this vulnerability as a result of concerns around JavaScript being able to execute on the system, such that it then allows uh, arbitrary reads of kernel memory from the browsing uh, session. Yeah, so to the extent that right now there aren't any POCs that could effectively um, exploit this vulnerability in a way that is perhaps, you know, a landing page or like someone gets fished to a page and suddenly they've now been hit by Meltdown, for example, is that a concern of yours going forward? Because like you said, right now it's not the sky is falling, but um, I fear that based on both Mozilla and the Chrome team's uh, response to this, that maybe it could be in the not too soon or not too distant future, rather. Right. So under, understand that the patches that they're putting in place uh, there are at least as targeted towards Spectre as, as they are to Meltdown. Um, they are definitely changing things, uh, and, and part of that uh, response is, is geared to Meltdown. But look, um, for, for them to do this, uh, it's it's going through JavaScript in particular. JavaScript is a very inefficient language. Um, you'd have to be on a page for, for, for a while. This is not something that you're going to do like a drive-by exploit and bam, kernel memory is gone. Um, the, the other problem is that uh, from a picture from a browser scenario, right? What you're doing is is an arbitrary read of kernel memory, um, and that's bad. But it's it's not as bad as somebody being in a unsandboxed process on the machine where they can then take advantage of that read uh, and you know, basically pivot that into uh, into some privilege escalation. Jake, it, you said previously that we need to rethink our architecture, and did you mean architecture of the kernel? the architecture of the CPU or both? And w what do we need to rethink in terms of the way we construct operating system and CPUs today? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, I'd like to tackle this in, in two parts. And the first one has to do with the CPU and, and, and the kernel. Um, you know, on, on that end, for the last uh, forever, 
actually, I guess, uh, we've been building uh, CPUs with speed in mind, operating systems with speed in mind. And really, if you start looking from Windows side, XP is the first, XP Service Pack 2 is the first operating system that was, you know, even really gave half a thought to security, um, you know, on, on the Windows side. Windows uh, Vista, of course, the first one that they rewrote from the ground up to be secure. Uh, Linux has been secure-ish or, or designed with security in mind a little longer. Uh, but but again, it's always a speed versus security trade-off, right? Uh, for instance, uh, in the Windows kernel, they've hunted singly linked lists to extinction uh, because of the ability for a vulnerability to be capitalized on by, by exploiting one of these look-aside lists. Again, mm-hmm. they've hunted that to extinction at the cost of performance. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so what we're going to see here coming up, I think, is a focus on uh, both at the chip level uh, and at the operating system level, an increased focus on uh, you know on security over uh, over speed. Mm. Uh, so, so secondarily, on, oh, hang on, hold on, Jeff. Go ahead, Jake. Oh yeah, finish oh, up. No, I was going to say, was gonna say oh. from the other side. You know, when I talk about architecture, uh, I, I honestly think for our average user, our average user is not going to go out, or our average viewer here is not going to go out and build a chip. Uh, they're not likely to go out and design an operating system. Most of them do on, do, however, work in in enterprise networks. And and as you start thinking about that. Uh, you know, think about uh, for a minute, what does your security model look like if you can't trust a Docker container? What does your security model look like if you can't trust your assets stored on a public cloud, right? And, and that's what I challenge people to start looking at. You know, we've talked about zero trust for a long time, zero trust models. Uh, I think this is a spot where suddenly we're looking at what does zero trust look like if you can't trust the chip. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Joff? Yeah, I think that's that. I, I was sort of about to go there. Um, that's exactly what this illustrates extremely well to me. Uh, in that it's sort of a trust nobody, trust no component uh, kind of uh, world that we're we're entering. Um, you know, we've always had that assurance, or or at least uh, maybe uh, maybe it's a sort of a belief, for lack of a better word, that the chip was was solid and and now that you know it's been blown wide wide open now uh, you know having said that where do you think um the biggest redesign uh issues going to emerge in the sense that um the thing that interested me the most was uh speculative execution and pre-computation uh for optimization i think is a fantastic uh improvement but do you think that's actually now dead? I I don't think that that's dead. Um, I think that what you're going to see is uh, look, uh, you know, as as Intel uh, began. Uh, and by the way, when we're talking about speculative execution, let's be very clear here that we're no longer talking about meltdown. Uh, meltdown achieves the side channel uh, side channel attack via. Right, right. I was focusing on Spectre. Speculative yeah. execution. And yeah, that's fine. so sorry, sure Jake. So uh, before you answer Josh's question, back up and describe Spectre for our audience, please. Sure, sure. Uh, while Meltdown uh, is a basically an attack on out-of-order instructions that leaks data uh, basically via a side channel, uh, Spectre does the same thing using a combination of two techniques uh, or, or two related techniques uh, called speculative execution and branch prediction. Uh, speculative execution goes ahead and executes ahead several instructions, a uh, number of instructions, uh, in the attempt to uh, basically they're, they're pipelining across the silicon on the system, uh, and that allows you to execute uh, execute much much faster than you would otherwise. Uh, when you hit a branch, an if else, uh, basically a fork in the road, 
the processor executing ahead doesn't know which branch it's going to take. They don't know whether or not that condition, like let's say if x equals 5, go right, otherwise go left. They don't know whether or not uh, they're going to have to go right or left. And so there's a branch prediction uh, algorithm basically that tracks the number of times that you've gone left and the number of times that you've gone right and makes a prediction based on, or more accurately, tracks which way you've made the prediction uh, over time and what the percentage yeah. chances that Jake, you're going to do. Jake, hold on. Thing. I'm going to stop yeah. you there. That's been in CPU yeah. architecture since like the beginning of time because I'm having flashbacks yeah. to my mm-hmm. operating system theory class in college, which now was a long time ago. And that was like a thing back then, and probably predates even when I was in college. Because Paul is old. I'm old. Yes, he's not that yeah, old. Definitely, it, it, it goes back to the it's 90s been around, at least. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It's it's been around. Uh, I mean, in, in every modern, uh, you know, in every modern uh, processor. Um, hmm. the, the difference here, or the deal here, is that uh, what we weren't looking at. Uh, there's a basically a branch prediction uh, cache that caches which way you're likely to go, right? So the speculative execution thing is not new. Uh, The branch prediction piece is not particularly new. Uh, What's new is us basically uh, using that to cause a change in the CPU cache, right? And when we cause that change in the CPU cache during that speculative execution, that then allows us to go read arbitrary memory. Now, one of the things that uh, you know was early, uh, early on, and, and you know during the initial Sans webcast, uh, you know I said, hey, I, I don't think Spectre can be used reliably to read from other processes. It turns out it's absolutely wrong about that. Um, the uh, it turns out that that branch prediction cache is actually shared between hyperthreads on a core of a processor of an Intel processor. Right. So, if you picture for a moment here that branch prediction cache. You can be in one process in one hyperthread on a core, and the other thread is going to read from the same branch prediction cache. And this wouldn't be a problem if they were doing full indexing by, by the full address. It turns out they only use a few bits of the address. And the engineers, there's actually documentation in the Intel, uh, the Intel processor manuals that explains, we understand, of course, that there can be collisions or something along the lines of, of course there can be collisions, but who cares? We're going to throw out the, uh, basically throw out the result if we don't take that branch, right? Well, well of course, here, that's, that's not the case. Course, basically yeah. Isn't, uh, Paul, go ahead, Jeff. Paul? Yeah, go ahead. isn't this essentially where the, the FUD slash marketing pitches are starting to kick in? Because, you know, the fact that there's a way to arbitrarily read memory or read arbitrary memory, you know, you can't target it. You can't look for specific bits of memory. You're sort of... You know, you're going to get what you get, and there's the possibility that there might be sensitive data there, or there might be whatever that people care about. Um, do you do you foresee any way of coming up with a way uh, to target this type of ta- attack, or to try to? Are there ways? And I'm deferring to to people that are. Uh, more into the architecture of chips. Is there any way to predict? I guess the the memory. Uh, what what parts of memory might be used for particular things that might be of interest for stealing, and is there a way to target this attack? Do you foresee? Yes, um, I, I think it. I think it's going to largely depend on 
uh, on the program that you're targeting, right? So, so to be very clear, there are there are really two variants of Spectre. Uh, one is is targeting the same process as memory. Uh, so picture a, uh, a my, my example that I've gone back to here is the JavaScript in a web browser being used to go read other memory outside the JavaScript sandbox, right? So picture in a browser exploitation standpoint or from a browser exploitation standpoint, uh, once you can leak memory outside the sandbox, ASLR is gone, right? Uh, you you've completely eliminated address space layout randomization, a whole class of bugs uh, that were bugs but weren't reliably exploitable suddenly become reliably exploitable again. All right. So so I think that that's concerning there in the same process one as we talk about that branch prediction cache and and doing cross process or or inter process. Uh, you know the uh, inter process exploitation is going to be heavily dependent on the program whether or not you're going to be able to target uh, specific memory but but yes i absolutely can see programs uh, and i'd be happy to explain it uh, either i think it's probably a little technical for online but i'd be happy to explain it offline like in a blog post or something um, for, for how i i foresee you being able to target the specific memory uh, that, that you would go after so you do see so my, oh absolutely yeah 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 so uh, and i don't mean so, in a hyperbolic sense by the way just i i think that is going to become a new class of exploitation very difficult, albeit, and very targeted, right? But, but yes, definitely a new class. So my follow-up uh, question is: So why are you thinking the sky's not falling yet? Is that just because this well, hasn't all been figured out yet? No, it, it's not because it hasn't all been figured out yet. It's it's because you need a foothold on the system in the first place, right? Okay. Um, so well, that's, that's I think not that. Bad. <laughs> well. I mean, so so I, I differentiate. I, I reserve my. I, you only get so many skies are falling a year, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm being pragmatic about this. It's something John and I have talked about a lot in the past. You, know, you can't you can't jump on the rooftops and yell the sky is falling every time, or people are going to start saying, "Yeah, right, that's what you said last time." Um, I, I I feel like I need to reserve my sky is falling for you know the next eternal blue. Uh, or or whatever that happens to be, right? That that's yeah. that's where I feel like we need that at. No, you, you Jake, know what it I, is, Jake? Jake. I think it's for the for the next vulnerability that has a really really attractive logo. Then you say this guy is falling. <laughs> absolutely, actually, absolutely, uh, yeah. So, Joff, quiet. That's that's proprietary BHIS information. We we have a bunch of <laughs> vulnerabilities we're getting logos for at the moment. Did you roll a D twenty to determine which ones you were choosing? No. So, so Jake, um, there was a blog post by Endgame uh, about detecting Spectre and Meltdown using hardware performance counters. Have you encountered any technique? And Endgame is a very reliable source. They're a sponsor of the show. But everyone that I've talked with and had on the show has just, like, super impressed me. Uh, and no one's really challenged me on it because they employ really smart people. They wrote this post um, about detecting it, so I want to get your take on it. Is it a detectable scenario, in your opinion? Uh, yeah, it absolutely is, right? So um, now, now there's you, you got to clarify here that this is a heuristic detection; it's not a signature. Uh, and that you are correct uh, about their performance counter piece. It is, uh, you know, it's it's a good piece of research. Uh, there's another uh, group, and I'm I'm at a loss for the name at the moment. Uh, that's doing the same thing on Linux, uh, basically mm -hmm. uh, using uh, performance tracing. Uh, and looking at uh, the number of page faults uh, and uh, and kernel exceptions that were issued. Um, and when they find these kernel exceptions, then they're able to go and say, yeah, we definitely have a problem here. Um, so uh, I, I think that this is a, it, both of these are 
uh, are good starts, um, but they both are going to suffer from false positives. Yeah, that, that article is written by Cody Pierce, who also appeared on episode 484 uh, of Paul Security Weekly. Uh, I include in there as a, uh, as a reference. Um, more questions for Jake. Well, I want to go back to and and get a little bit maybe philosophical a little bit. I mean, when I came up in the DOD, one of my first early lessons was, you know, basically, you know, you can't trust anything, any any system, any any piece of equipment. And this is a little bit prior to computers being mainstream. Uh, you know, you can't trust them. And of course, I lived through the X Files where you trust no one. Mm. Um, which is about the same time that all these chipsets were coming out that we're now learning 25 you know or so years later that you can't trust. So, and I asked this question in our earlier segment, what do you do as a security professional when there is no quick fix, when there is no simply patch the vulnerability where there is no patch for the vulnerability where the vulnerability in fact is sort of a it's for lack of a better term a feature uh, of in this case a chipset where it's been designed like that intentionally for we've talked about uh, uh, you talked about how it's been designed for uh, your know, performance which everybody loves everybody loves speed and performance and and there's a saying in the in the compliance world that uh, that convenience or speed trumps security all the time uh, every time and I think that's true a lot of times. You know, but beyond technical solutions, is there anything to, that that organizations can do from a security perspective to uh, address uh, this specific issue where it's perhaps a, a vulnerability that's going to be around for a while that there's no quick fix for? But in a larger sense, if we can't trust all these things that we've learned to trust or been told that we can trust – uh, whether it's implementations in Docker and cloud shared services or whatever, you know, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Yeah, so so to that end, uh, we actually wrote, uh, I guess the uh, vulnerability broke on uh, whatever it was, Wednesday night and I think Thursday, something along those lines. Anyway, the day after the vulnerability got released, uh, we actually published a blog post, the rendition site, uh, kind of a mm -hmm. six-step action plan, right? And Because I, I just can't stand vendor FUD. Uh, I, I presume that most of the vendors would take until Monday to get FUD out. I turned out to be right. Uh, and so we tried yep. to beat them out, and, and we're pretty successful in that. It's got about 50,000 views uh, as of today. Um, the uh, you know, What we talked about there specifically uh, was being able to, uh, you know, basically number one is you got to have monitoring. right? If you've got good, solid monitoring, this is not concerning you. Uh, and I don't mean monitoring at the chip level or at the operating system level, looking at performance counters, although that is phenomenal research. Um, look, at the end of the day, when an attacker does a privilege escalation uh, vulnerability, it's a means to an end. Right? It, it's part of, if you think about, and, and please don't, don't attack me here, it's part of the cyber kill chain. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's exploitation phase. Right? And, and, and look, they're going for actions on objectives. Right? However you want to phrase that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, uh, they're looking to exfil data. They're looking to uh, you know, persist on your system. Uh, they're looking to, uh, basically, again, they've got a goal. Uh, exploitation is is not the primary goal. It's a means to an end. So, so monitoring is number one. Uh, you know, and, and we talked about, you know, six or sorry, five other things there uh, involving, uh, you know, from have a good corporate communications plan. Man, if, if you're working in InfoSec today, 
corporate communications is one of those things that I know a lot of people don't like to talk soft skills, but man, every time one of these breaks, you get the board jumping down your throat saying, what do we need to do? Do you have a handle on this? Right? Have a plan for that. Right? Uh, we talk about uh, actually looking at your equipment refresh cycles. Intel is, we now know, we didn't know at the time, we now know that Intel is likely only providing patches for microcode patches uh, for the last several generations of chips. Uh, you may actually be out of luck if you have a fifth generation, uh, fifth generation uh, chip. Uh, you know, so again, I say fifth generation uh, in from when they started doing the i7, i3, i5, whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, you may be out of luck there. Um, so you know, if you're on a three-year, oops, I meant five-year equipment refresh cycle. You guys know how that goes, right? <laughs> um, then uh, you, you know, you may need to look at uh, you know, uh, does this justify? Uh, doing things a little earlier. And then secondly, you know, or, or finally looking at, uh, for instance, your managed service providers. Uh, if you've got somebody who is, uh, you know, who is a cloud provider to you and they're not one of the big ones, right? Google, uh, Amazon, Azure, I'm not worried about, right? Amazon have patched a lot of their stuff. They were part of the embargo. They patched a lot of their stuff before everything hit. And then they did emergency reboots to patch the rest of the stuff as this, uh, as this broke. Um, we had we work with several managed security or managed service providers, excuse me, uh, at Rendition, and you know we talked to a couple of them called us for advice, and we called a couple uh, who said melt what, what what are you talking about? <laughs> and had no idea this stuff was breaking. Right, that's not a place where I want my data. Right, so so I think that there's a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of action stuff that we can do today to get ready for the next one of these. Because because as I was talking to John about a few minutes ago, again. This is not going to be the last, I, I'm positive, this is not going to be the last microcode vulnerability. In fact, in the, or microarchitecture vulnerability, in the Spectre paper, they lay out a bunch of future research. They're basically planting the flag and saying, we thought of this, right? We just didn't have time to get a working implementation of it. Jake, um, you're, you're my so, new, new hero because you described CPU architecture vulnerabilities. Uh, you also emphasize the importance of communication uh, and soft skills in our industry, and you're funny too. So, if people <laughs> like myself want to take a class with you at Sands, what, where would they go to do that? And what classes are you teaching? Oh wow, um, I, it's probably a shorter list of what haven't I taught at some point. Um, yeah, I actually, I guess I'm doing Amsterdam next week, uh, doing uh, the exploit development class, advanced pen test and exploit development. Uh, I actually don't remember where I'm going from there. It's on the Sands website. I teach forensics. Uh, once in a while, I teach malware reversing. I don't do that a lot anymore. Uh, I do a little bit of cyber threat intelligence, uh, of course, uh, incident response, uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, if you hit the SANS website, they've got all the classes that I teach and where they've got me lined up here. I do know I'm going to be in Virginia Beach, actually, in the fall, uh, August. I guess it's not really the fall, in August uh, for incident response. So I'm looking forward to that a lot because it's Virginia Beach. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. It's a pretty awesome yeah. conference. Well, Jake, thank you so much for appearing on Paul Security Weekly. It was wonderful having you come back anytime and, and drop some knowledge because it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, boss. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Jake. With that, we're going to take a short break. Come back, talk about the security news for this week. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere.